would take a Bible and let's turn to Romans chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 939. We're going to be all over the place in Paul's letters today. And to help with some of that, I've tried to insert the key passages into the PowerPoint. So you're not, we're not spending an hour of Bible drill together here. So uh, they'll be up on the PowerPoint if you want to use that and not have to flip every, every time. But let's pray before we get started. Father, the prophet Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon his throne. And above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one cried to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. As those who have had our eyes opened to the truth of the gospel, as those who have been rescued from that life we lived where we were suppressing the truth about God, we see the whole earth is indeed full of your glory. And we pray that a knowledge of that glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that even now, as we look at the subject of thanksgiving, our hearts would be once again arrested by your marvelous grace and your marvelous goodness to us every day. We pray these things with the breath you've given to us. Amen. So what a grace to uh, rejoice together for a little bit um, over how the Lord has blessed us this past year. We do belong to a very generous Father in Christ. He lavishes kindness on us every day. And of, of all people in the world, Christians should be the most thankful. I hope we see why that's so, and I hope we uh, become such people more as we look at Thanksgiving today. I want to I spend... The time studying Thanksgiving in Paul's letters, no, not the holiday, of course, but the expressed gratitude that overflows the heart of those belonging to Christ. Of all the Thanksgiving words and concepts in uh, the New Testament, over 75% of them appear in Paul's letters alone. Uh, others have observed that Paul mentions the subject of thanksgiving in his letters more often line for line than any other Hellenistic author, pagan or Christian. And what's amazing is that the man who overflows with, with such thanksgiving is also the man who suffered greatly for Christ. Some of the letters where thanksgiving appears most are those that Paul writes from prison. 
And so when, we, when, he says, when he says things like, give thanks in all circumstances, we, we listen in. We tune in. I mean, what so satisfies this man that he abounds with thanksgiving behind bars, in sufferings, before enemies? On Monday, I'd been reading a great book on thanksgiving by David Powell. Some of what I learned from him you'll hear today. But but I'm saturating myself with thanksgiving in Paul's letters. and, And Rachel made some chicken tortilla soup. I love this soup, and I especially like this with like a mound of shredded cheese on, on, on top. And so I go to the fridge, and I pull out the cheese, and you know, just the bottom of the bag is full. And I say, there's enough cheese. There's not even enough cheese in here to feed a roach. Silence for a few seconds. I had just finished Powell's chapter where he connects ingratitude with idolatry and I was telling Rachel about it on the way to the fridge. It's one of those moments where you don't even have to say anything. You just look around and you know, I am so far away from godliness right now. And the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. And I'd be a hypocrite to say that I have this life of thanksgiving figured out that... uh, that we're going to look out today. But I want to, and I want to lead us into this life of thanksgiving. And I want you to come with me. Paul's letters are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They serve as a great place to discover what true thanksgiving entails. But God's Word also confronts false notions of thanksgiving that we, that we know in our culture. Thanksgiving will be the talk of America this week from Butterball commercials to the Macy's Parade. Writing for The Atlantic, Emma Green observes that the entire country stops working and gathers together because being thankful is something we should do. But she also observes that while gratitude is the animus of these secular rituals, the object of the gratitude is unclear. You can thank your grandma for making delicious pie, but who do you thank for the general circumstances of your life? This is why secular Thanksgiving-flavored gratitude seems so fuzzy. She brings up a good point. But I want you to know that, that in Paul, we will find that the object of our gratitude is never fuzzy. Thanksgiving always belongs to the only true and triune God who reveals himself in creation and redemption. And so we hear Paul begin Romans in verse 8 with, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Or in Colossians with, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something else about Thanksgiving in our culture is that Thanksgiving often focuses on the gift received. But for for Paul, as as we read today, we will find that thanksgiving is so much more. It actually flows from our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving even deepens that relationship. In other words, the gifts aren't the goal or aren't the focus in thanksgiving, but deeper joy in the giver. 
of those gifts. And that's one reason why Thanksgiving appears so often in the context of Paul's prayers. It's relational. It's about knowing the giver more, even through his gifts. Another way Paul challenges our culture, Thanksgiving can often be reduced in our culture to mere etiquette. You know, it's the respectful gesture that you make or the card you send to kind of keep things in the relationship balanced. Even when there's that gift you didn't really want, mom and dad say, tell your aunt thank you. And through a long sigh, you say, thank you. But when Paul calls the church to Thanksgiving, he's not teaching us proper etiquette. He's calling us to worship. He's calling us to adore the God of infinite worth whose generosity we can never repay. Also, our culture has the tendency to reduce Thanksgiving to times when we're the direct recipients of a gift. We, we only give thanks on those occasions. Person A gives something to person B and then person B thanks person A. But something to notice is that nearly all of Paul's letters begin with Paul thanking God not for something that he has received. Actually, he thanks God for something that God gave to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 is a great example. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to list some of what that is. You see it? I mean, God is worthy of thanksgiving even when we're not the direct recipients of his gifts. Thanksgiving, in other words, is a God-centered matter. It hinges on who God is as the creator and sustainer of all things and the giver of all that is good and the Lord of all. No matter what happens to us, he's worthy of thanksgiving and praise. And these are but a few ways that God's word, as we see this fleshed out today, will confront the false notions uh, or at least the inadequate notions of thanksgiving in our culture. And as we move along, it will continue to confront and, and correct us in the area of thanksgiving. So let's get started. I want to make seven brief observations today from Paul's letters. First, thanksgiving overlaps significantly with worshiping or praising God as the source of all good things. It overlaps with worshiping or praising God. So Paul will sometimes interchange uh, the thanksgiving words with, with words of worship. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14, 16 is, is a perfect example. It's harder to see in the ESV, but, but here it goes. Otherwise, if you give thanks, or better, if you render praise with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving? So thanksgiving there in this verse is so close to rendering praise, he, he interchanges them. Or in Ephesians 5.19, we find thanksgiving right beside addressing one another in psalms and singing to the Lord with your heart. So in Ephesians 5.19, we see that giving thanks to God fits with these other corporate expressions of, of worship and, and song. And this shouldn't surprise us, especially if we pay attention to the way the Old Testament actually a lot of time parallels 
thanksgiving and praise. And this is especially true in the Psalms. So Psalm 100 verse 4, uh, which is the children's memory verse uh, this week in our, in our church, it's, it's a great example. It says, enter his courts with thanksgiving, I mean, in, in, enter his, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You see that thanksgiving is parallel to the praise. Or give thanks to him and bless his name. Giving thanks is parallel parallels the blessing there. On the flip side, ingratitude is a form of idolatry. And we see this most clearly in Romans 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They, what did they do? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So not thanking God actually plunges humanity into idolatry or false worship. So we're getting at the same point thanksgiving as worship, but now from a negative angle. When we fail to give God thanks for his generosity as creator and Lord, we become idolaters. I mean, think about that. Ingratitude and and grumbling is the outward fruit of inward idolatry. Thanksgiving is the fruit of true worship in the heart. And we'll return to, to Thanksgiving, actually, in the fight against idolatry later on. But for now, let's, let's keep moving along. Second, Thanksgiving grows out of God's gracious work in Christ and our ongoing union with Christ. It grows out of God's gracious work in Christ and our ongoing union with Christ. Uh, and it'd be best if I just compare this for a minute to something that, that's going on in the Old Testament... But in the Old Testament, what does God do? He rescues a people out of Egypt. And once he rescues that people out of Egypt in Exodus 15, they explode with with songs of praise and blessing for that great rescue. And then as Israel's history goes on, the Psalms are teaching Israel to sing and to remember and to look back on this great rescue from Egypt because it demonstrates God's steadfast love and his, His love of election and choosing them and bringing them out. And so it's time to celebrate and give Him thanks. His steadfast love endures forever. Well, likewise, when we come to the New Testament, what is Paul doing, but, but kind of doing something similar here, is he's drawing back to the cross of Christ, which is the greatest exodus deliverance, our deliverance from sin, and he's calling the church, based on that great deliverance, to lift their voices in praise. He's teaching us to sing when he's calling us to give thanks. So thanksgiving is actually grounded in the gospel of what God did for us. Just listen to a few of these. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. This is in the context of of the the battle of our flesh rages on and the law can't save anybody. There's nothing we can do to conquer sin on our own. And the the law has us under uh, this curse of death. And so Paul says in Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this thanksgiving flows from what he knows God has achieved for him through 
Jesus Christ, the curse of the law has been removed. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So there he's grounding thanksgiving in God qualifying us, God delivering us, and God transferring us to his Son. In other words, if you want to grow in thanksgiving, remember your desperate condition before Christ. And remember the glories of the gospel that brought you out of that desperate condition. And, and, and remember your participation in the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's how we grow in this life of thanksgiving. In fact, the Lord's Supper is a great opportunity for us to grow in thanksgiving this morning. 1 Corinthians 10.16 The cup of blessing that we bless... Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? This is a Thanksgiving meal right here. What a time to remember God's blessings in Christ. It's it's Christ who opened the way into fellowship with God. And he's why we can even thank God to begin with. Even thanksgiving to God comes through Jesus. Listen to Romans 1.8 again. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Or Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is reflecting our ongoing union with Jesus and the covenant relationship we share with God in Jesus So Jesus opened the way for us even to approach God with thanksgiving. The holy of holies is open. So we come and we give thanks. Third, thanksgiving comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians is a letter about God uh, gifting the, the church with his fullness. Uh, chapter 1, verse 23 of Ephesians, the church is the fullness of Christ who fills all in all. In Ephesians 3.19, Paul prays that the church be filled with all the fullness of God. In chapter 4, verse 14, we do the work of ministry together as, as a church. Uh, and this is the goal, he says, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Well, how does this fullness of God, the triune God, how does that come to us? Well, it comes to us through the the mediating work of the Holy Spirit who who dwells in the believer. The Spirit mediates the presence of God in Christ to the church. But watch what his fullness then produces in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These aren't instructions for Sunday morning. This is for every day. The Spirit's filling 
produces speech that edifies others, songs that make melody, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. This, this is one of the most convicting verses for me uh, because if you're not a thankful person, it shows that you're not a spirit-filled person. When we complain and gripe and moan and whine and nitpick and grumble, we're in sin. We're, we're giving in to sin and we're not walking in the Spirit. I wasn't walking in the Spirit at the fridge. Spiritual maturity will manifest itself in thanksgiving. Fourth, thanksgiving is essential to the life that pleases God. It is essential to the life that pleases God. I want to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 for this one. Paul is praying that the church would know the Lord's will so that they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to them, so, fully pleasing to him. So how do we walk in a manner of the Lord? Well, we do all things in a way that pleases God. And then he includes four things in particular that characterize the life that pleases God. One, bearing fruit in every good work. Two, increasing in the knowledge of God. Three, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So we're not doing this on our own. And then number four comes in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Notice the importance of thanksgiving to the Christian life. Paul is setting it right beside good works, knowing God, and trusting God's power. Any one of us would say, yeah, those, we would probably list out if somebody said, what, what are some basics of Christian discipleship? I'm sure you would, good works, knowing God, depending on his power. You'd probably list those off as, as basics of discipleship. And amazingly, Paul slides Thanksgiving in there as well. Right alongside these others. David Powell writes, to live a life worthy of the Lord is to live with the constant awareness of God's grace. That's the life of thanksgiving, living with the constant awareness of God's grace. And that awareness of grace then produces a rather remarkable life, and that brings us to a fifth observation. The life of thanksgiving sacrifices the whole self in devotion to the Lord. In the Old Testament, there was something called a thanksgiving offering. Uh, the priests would sacrifice an animal and offer the blood along with the unleavened loaves and, and oil. And the Psalms then help us see that these, these offerings, uh, these, these, these sacrifices were given to thank the Lord, to, to celebrate his mighty saving works. But the New Testament reveals Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. Christ loved us, Paul says, in Ephesians 5.2, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we see from the, from the book of Hebrews that, that Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. There, there is no other sacrifice. Christ satisfied God's wrath once and for all. He cleanses us from, from sin. And all the sacrifices of the old were fulfilled in the one sacrifice of Christ. No other blood needs to be spilled as an atonement for sin. What then do we bring as our thanksgiving offering? How, how do we express our thanksgiving to God under the new covenant? 
we give him ourselves. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So that's, that's everything that he's given us in Christ. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There's your thanksgiving offering under the new covenant. Your bodies. How do we thank God for what he's done? We give him everything. We give him our, our whole self. And not just everything on Sunday morning, but everything about us in all circumstances. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always and for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 giving th- Give thanks in all circumstances, he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Unlike our culture, Thanksgiving isn't reserved only for occasions when we receive something. It's an entire way of living in all circumstances. We know every breath is a gift from the Creator. Now, that's not to say that we're in some chipper mood all of the time. It's not calling us to ignore tragedy or to paper over pain with, with smiles. He's saying that God will be our rock in the suffering. And for God, we can be thankful. We're, we can be thankful that we get to walk with God through the trial, through the suffering. And give ourselves to him no matter, no matter what comes. Philippians, six and, uh, Philippians 4, uh, chapter, uh, verses 6 and 7 are, are huge here when it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. And remember, this man is in prison. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we see there we have God in everything to cry to and to depend on and trust in. And never do we have to doubt his love for us. We just we look at the cross. That is where he demonstrated his love for us. We look at the cross, we look at what God gave, and we never stop looking there when you hear you have cancer. You never stop looking there when you don't know what's going on in your body. You never stop looking there when your marriage didn't go the way you wanted it to go. You never stop looking there when this Thursday won't be what it used to be without your mom there. Paul is teaching us that this life of thanksgiving acknowledges that God's presence is with us. And we can be thankful for him because in Christ he drew near to us. He is everything for us in Christ. And we can thank him and and give ourselves to him even in these very difficult moments. In all circumstances, God is more than enough for us. And so we can be thankful that, that we are known by him. 
Six, Thanksgiving helps us fight idolatry. It helps us fight idolatry. So we're circling back to what we observed earlier from Romans 1, where ingratitude is basically idolatry expressed. If the life of Thanksgiving is one where we're, you know, we're praising God for his presence and power with us in Christ, in all circumstances, then what are we saying when we complain? We're saying that God's presence and power are not enough in that moment. We're saying that he's too weak to provide and he's not glorious enough to satisfy. Or when we're greedy for, for selfish gain, when we're, what we're functionally saying when we must have that car or that relationship or that bike or those shoes or that job position or that quiet evening or I am just mad, what we are saying is that God is not enough. That we're not thankful for what he has giving, given us. I want more of something other than him. This is why Paul calls this idolatry. Or, or, or what's going on in the situations of, of sexual immorality. Pornography, sinful intimacy, lust of the eyes, immoral thoughts, wandering eyes. We're saying that God isn't truly Lord of my body and what I do with it. What he did for me in Christ doesn't deserve the offering of my body as a living sacrifice in this moment. I am not thankful for what he did for me. This is the heart. This, it is a sick and twisted heart, this sinful heart. It is Our complaints and our grumbling and our greed and our immorality are really that horrific. I mean, think of the way God condemned Israel for grumbling against him in the wilderness. He rescued them from slavery. He's with them in the wilderness and, and they grumble, they're ungrateful, and so they put up the idols and they sleep around with everybody. What were they saying about God? We're not thankful for what you did. We're not thankful for who you are. You're in a pillar of fire and a cloud right before us. You're meeting with Moses. We don't care. You're not enough for us. We want our own gods instead. And this is what the heart of ingratitude is. And you can see it play out on the pages of Israel's history. But then what do we see in Christ? As he gives thanks, as he's breaking bread with the disciples. He gives thanks to the Lord when he breaks the bread. You see a man who's wholly captivated by the generosity of his father. And he trusts his father wholly even as he's walking to one of his darkest moments. Jesus is the, the true Israel So the interesting thing is, 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 what I'm, is that in Christ, once you're in Christ, thanksgiving becomes a, 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 a way we can fight idolatry. I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. 
It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So this is Old Testament language of, of the people of God not even taking the names of the idols on their lips. Don't even talk about Baal in here type of, of idea. Don't, this kind of immorality and impurity and covetousness is not proper. Not, let it not even be named among you as is proper among saints, holy ones. And then he goes on. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So listen to this. I mean, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, all of these, they don't belong to the kingdom of Christ. They shouldn't even be named among you. All of them are set against one command. Let there be thanksgiving instead. So you, you replace the sexual immorality with your thanksgiving. You replace the impurity with thanksgiving and the covetousness with thanksgiving and the filthiness and the crude joking with thanksgiving. It's, it's like all of them would be taken care of if we really got how thanksgiving plays out in the Christian life. In this sense, thanksgiving is an idol smasher. It is an idol smasher because it expresses the truth about God's greatness and God's generosity and God's glory in Christ. And when you're full of thanksgiving for God, all of the false promises of all of our man-made idols, they fall dead. They fall dead. His presence and power is enough for us in all circumstances. His grace for us is amazing. And so we give him our bodies. Thanksgiving becomes a help to us in smashing our idols. This life of thanksgiving then abounds to the glory of God. And that's our seventh and last observation. The life of thanksgiving abounds to the glory of God. We see this most clearly in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And so the, the goal of prayer is for thanksgiving to abound to the Lord. Bound to God for, for blessing them. Right? So the giver gets the glory, in other words. Uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, is even more specific, where it says, For it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now you need to understand the context here because it's important for how this is going to play itself out in, in our lives, right? So Paul is in the context of talking about his own suffering for speaking the gospel, for spreading the gospel. 
He suffers as it spreads. And he's referring to these two inseparable things in his apostleship, his sufferings for Christ and his speaking for Christ. And it's this grace, the grace of his suffering for spreading the gospel, that it's this grace that's spreading. And when it's spreading, it's increasing. Okay? And that's why he says, it's all for your sake. My sufferings and my spreading of the gospel, it's all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So yes, we see gratitude is the proper response to grace. And this gratitude abounds to the glory of God. But what's important to see here is that the life of thanksgiving that we see in Paul leads him to then give his whole self over to the Lord in sharing the gospel with others and in suffering for the gospel. And as he's sharing the gospel and suffering for the gospel, it's increasing thanks again before more and more and more and more people. And all of it is abounding to the glory of God. So do you want your life to bring glory to God? then live a life of thanksgiving. Walk in thanksgiving for all that God is and all that he has done for us in Christ. We're going to take the Lord's Supper now. And uh, Ben, you want to come lead us?